Her message tonight is going to be entitled Children and Apologetics. We're going to be looking at Psalms chapter 127. Psalms 127, and we'll be looking at verses 3 through 5. Psalms 127, verse 3. Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord, the fruit of the womb, a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior are the children of one's youth. Blessed is the man who fills his quiver with them. He shall not be put to shame when he speaks with his enemies at the gate. So, I believe clearly this passage teaches us that the children within our life, they are a heritage of God. They're not a burden. They're not a problem. Children are a heritage from God. Each child is a gift from God. And this makes parents, guardians, aunts, uncles, grandparents. This makes each of us that are entrusted with the care, knowledge, and wisdom of these children, this makes each of us stewards of God, entrusted with one or more of his greatest blessings. Now, a steward was someone who would stand in place of the king, and we are to, and he was to take care of the throne. And because of this, to state the obvious, parents have a deep influence on a child's life as stewards of his uh, of, of his children grandparents aunts uncles and older siblings even hold a profound responsibility of guiding children toward a life rooted in christian faith equipping them with the tools to articulate and defend their beliefs apologetics this becomes an essential part of this responsibility. Unfortunately, the temptation for parents today, the temptation for most people who care for children, is to merely get by and make it through the day without the fewest possible conflicts. Parents can become passive in their training, and children learn to be manipulative just to get what they want. Even in Christian homes, it's common for parents to give up responsibilities that God has given to us and entrusted them instead to Sunday school teachers, to pastors, or even worse, public school teachers. My friends, we cannot be passive or lazy in fulfilling this responsibility to bring up a child in the way that he should go. God places the responsibility of raising children completely on the shoulders of parents and guardians, those entrusted with this care. And if we do not invest our time and effort into teaching our children, we can be sure that someone else will. They will be disciplined, discipled by someone, whether that's TV music or social media, there is a multitude of teachers in this world that would trick them into thinking that truth is personal and morality is relative. Unfortunately, I believe that without sound doctrine and without sound doctrine to stand against the false teachers of our age, our children's souls will be destroyed. Our responsibility is a tremendous one. 
It doesn't simply involve reading a Bible story book to them a few times a week. It means having intentional times when we simply share the gospel and invite our children to respond by believing it. And then obeying the Bible's command to be baptized. I know many parents, parents that they feel intimidated by this conversation. Be encouraged, my friends. Because God is ultimately the author of these children's faith. So when the moment comes, when the moment comes and you have to and you get an opportunity to share the gospel with these children, say a quick prayer. Lean into the Lord and ask him for help. Wisdom and discernment as you share the gospel with your child. Here's a simple way to teach it. I have here five steps. There is a print-off of this in the foyer in there on the table if you'd like to take it before you leave. But these are just five simple steps that we can take. These are five simple ways that we can share the gospel with a child. First, simple. God rules. God rules. God is the king of the universe. God made the whole world and everything in it. And because God made everything in it, he is also in charge of everything. But God isn't mean. God isn't selfish or weak like human kings. God is the good king. He is just, loving, and powerful. And he wants us to be close to him, to trust him, and to live in his kingdom. That is the life that we were created for. That's the first step. But the second, second thing to note is that we sinned. We sinned. The problem with our world is that we have rejected God as king. We've said no to God. And we've tried to live our life our own way apart from him. Whenever we fight, whether that be for the last cookie or for the first place in line, we're trying to get our own way instead of this, instead of his. The Bible calls this sin, and sin is any disobedience of the law of God. The Bible tells us that everyone has sinned, and this sin separates us from God. Third, sin leads to death. Here's the truth. We were made to be with God, to desire Him. And people start to see that nothing will satisfy that desire and they look for ways to get back to God. We try to be good enough. We want to be smart enough. We might even get busy with church things. But these are just broken bridges. These broken bridges lead to sadness. They lead to confusion and ultimately judgment. God is still far away despite the good things that we do. Fourth, God provided the cross. The pit created by sin is so wide that you cannot measure it. And there's nothing that we can do to bridge the gap. We cannot pay our crimes and put things back the way that they were meant to be. We cannot climb up to God, but God has come to us. Jesus is God's son. Jesus was born on earth, fully God and fully man. He lived with God perfectly. Then he suffered and died on the cross to pay the punishment our sins deserved. Three days later, Jesus rose to life and won victory over death. Because of Jesus, we can live close to God again. And finally, God gives us his love and grace. 
God gives us his love and grace. God gets close to us, and yet he still loves us. This is such good news. God accepts us, not because we have earned it or because we deserve it, but because of his son. He showed you how much he loves you by sending his son, Jesus. And we can show how much we love him by trusting him in faith and obeying his commands. First of which is to be baptized. Will you trust and obey him today, my friends? So that's the gospel in five simple steps. Broken down into simple English. And I want to encourage you to intentionally share it with your kids and then call them to respond. At the end of that conversation, if your child isn't ready, do not try to pressure or manipulate them. And don't be discouraged either when you share the gospel with a child. It doesn't necessarily mean that they aren't saved or that they won't be saved. Keep praying for these children. And find a time in the future to come back to this conversation again. On the other hand, though, if your child does say yes, do not be tempted to doubt their sincerity. Take it at face value. We know that Jesus loves children and desires to save them. So eagerly encourage your kids to keep on believing, not just today, but throughout their life. If they pray and confess, then show joy over their confession. I know it may seem weird to say that, but I'm afraid our first inclination towards those that we love and their desire toward godly things isn't always excitement. It can often be calculated or skeptical. This isn't because we don't trust them, but it's because we want them to understand Yes, spiritual understanding is important, but if we don't return the joy that this blossoming believer is experiencing, then our hesitation may be very discouraging to a young mind. And I can testify to this. As a child, when I first came to faith, I shared this, this faith, I shared this with my parents. And it was a difficult conversation because my parents were very hesitant. They did not discourage me, but it was, they were very hesitant to understand what it was I was saying, and they were very cautious. Every word I would say, they would want me to repeat and explain. And it was something that I was grateful for now, but at the time it was very discouraging for me, and it caused me to be very hesitant to share my faith with others. We should probably just pray that the Lord would restore unto us the joy of our own salvation, such as one of these children that's so excited. After you express your excitement and your love for them, sit them down and then make sure they understand what they are believing. We shouldn't necessarily use a checklist to gauge their level of sincerity or understanding, but listen to what they are saying and gauge their sincere faith. But how do we help kids? How do we help kids navigate their faith once they come to faith? How do we ensure that they not only understand their faith, but can confidently engage the world around them about the things that they believe? This is the call to teach them apologetics. But why should we? 
Why should we teach a child apologetics? I mean, how difficult can a child's Christian life actually be? Well, firstly, the main reason we should do it is because everyone should learn it. Everyone should learn. And I'm sure as you've heard before, children are not simply the future of the church. If they've made a profession of faith and have been obedient to the Lord's command of baptism, then they are the church now. Not the future, now. And as Dr. Spruill argues, everyone is a theologian. Anytime we think about a teaching of the Bible and desire to understand it, we are engaging in theology, and anytime that theology is challenged, then we must defend it. So that's the first reason. But the second reason we should do it is because children are sponges, and they need a solid bedrock before the world gets them. Their first encounter to objections needs to come early at home instead of their first day in biology class. Early exposure matters. Early exposure matters. Children are naturally inquisitive. They're sponges, as I said, absorbing information and experiences, introducing them to the core tenets of our faith. And apologetics principles early that lays a firm foundation in their life. This doesn't require complex theological discussions to do. My friends, just think about en engaging stories. Maybe a rich hymn or a song. And an everyday situation that sparks their curiosity about God and his commands. I can't, I can't express to you how often I have answered questions about nature and about how God made this and about why the, you know, why is the sky blue? I've had the question. I mean, these are questions and these are opportunities for you to share this wonder that you have within you. Just as we wouldn't expect them to master math before they learn to count, so too with apologetics. Start with the building blocks like our love for God. Teach them a familiarity with scripture and maybe a sense of wonder and joy in worshiping him on his day. These are simple things that we can teach them. It lays a basic foundation. And then once that seedling has been planted and starts to grow, our next responsibility is to cultivate truth. We can do this by tailor, tailoring our approach according to their age and their maturity. As our little saplings mature, so too must our approach. See, for preschoolers, the focus remains on building a love for God and a familiarity with Scripture. But as they enter elementary age, though, we, we can gently introduce more basic Christian principles. Start by teaching them the trustworthiness of Scripture. That's a great place to start. Start by reading Psalms 119, if you would like to, and walk through that verse by verse, teaching them what the Bible has to say about its own reliability. Be sure to give explanations and analogies to their curious questions. Explain the evidence for God's existence. And do this by using something as simple as nature. Use something as simple as art or even their own experiences of, of, of what love and care look like. Remember, the goal at this elementary stage is not to overwhelm them with a complex argument, but to 
plant a seed of curiosity and maybe a little understanding. So now that this sprout has started to grow into a young adult, we must engage them in some deeper thought. We must do this, I say. We must because young men and young women encounter a multitude of challenges to their faith. This can be anything from questioning biblical accounts to grappling with complex philosophical arguments. And my friends, this is where apologetics, true apologetics, shines. Encourage open discussions. Encourage critical thinking and a willingness to explore different viewpoints. Don't shy away from difficult questions. Instead, address them. Address these difficult questions head on. And I know this takes work. This takes effort. And I know it takes energy that very few parents, grandparents, aunts, and uncles have. It's difficult to do, but this is worth the work. Address these difficulties head on. And address them with honesty, with respect, and just with an age-appropriate response. Remember, these youth... They are not simply passive recipients of information anymore. Instead of being sponges, they have now, in this, in this young adult age, become filters. Instead of just absorbing everything, they are now more selective. They begin to question. They begin to analyze. They begin to filter information discarding what they deem irrelevant and holding on to what best explains the reality of the world around them. During this crucial time, we must equip them with the tools to research and to analyze and form their own reasoned defense of their faith. But there will come a time when we must go beyond just simple instruction and information. We must nurture that soil that they are growing in, that soil of faith. Yes, I, 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 am, I fully believe that knowledge is valuable. After all, it is the first pillar of apologetics. The three pillars are knowledge, wisdom, and character within apologetics. And knowledge is the first. It is crucial for us to remember, though, that apologetics is not just the intellectual arguments we teach. Our children must learn our children learn most effectively through observation, through experience. That's where the wisdom and character pillars come into play. It's more than just knowledge. They observe through through um, in the embodiment of the faith lived out before them. Let your own life be a testament to more than just knowledge. Let your own life be a testament to the joy and the strength that we find in Christ. Engage in open conversations with the children in your life about your own struggles and about your own triumphs. Share your burdens with your children in a, in a filtered way, but share these things so that they know that you are not bulletproof, that you struggle just as they Be active in church. 
Show them the practical application of faith. Children are observers, and the most powerful lessons often come from witnessing the genuine and faithful lives of of adults around them. And I believe the old saying is still true. More can be caught than taught. Never forget that our great commission calling means that we must live out all of these great truths we desire our children to believe. For it says, go therefore into all the world and preach the gospel, teaching all that I have commanded you. This is a call. This is a part of that great commission call. Teaching and, and so that they can observe these things. Be the example to them that you want them to be. And here are a few tips. How can we keep this faith growing in a child's life? First, find, find an age-appropriate resource that you trust. Books, websites, a catechism, or even conferences that's specifically designed to teach apologetics to children. Research and choose these resources that align with Scripture and with your child's age and learning style. These things such as books, websites, and, and, and catechisms, even conferences, can be very helpful. Secondly, connect with them. Share experiences, like I mentioned a little bit ago. Share your struggles. Share experiences. And share, uh, connect with others as well. Share resources. Share encouragement with those who are raising their, their children in faith. Having a community of like-minded believers can make the difference. Hence why church is important. Hence why the gathering of the body, not neglecting the, the assembly. Make it interactive and engaging as well. Learning should not feel like a chore for them. Use storytelling, games, activities, and movies to make apologetics fun and engaging. Remember, children are more likely to retain information when they're having fun. And then encourage them. Acknowledge and celebrate your child's efforts to understand and defend their faith. Regardless of their age or level of understanding, every question asked, every doubt explored is a step of maturity in their faith. Now, I mentioned catechisms earlier. And I just wanted to talk about that just a little bit. A good catechism is a very effective tool in the hands of a parent or teacher or guardian. Is a very effective tool. Catechism is not just a Roman Catholic, Lutheran, or at best Presbyterian word. As we say most, as we study most every Wednesday night from Brother Corey, the Baptist Catechism is a very useful tool to teach basic Christian doctrine for young and old alike. We use a version of it in our own family devotions, and I can't tell you how helpful it is to both teaching doctrine and applying that doctrine in an everyday conversation. There have been so many opportunities to where we have been out in the, at Walmart, we have been sitting in the parking lot, we have been sitting in here or watching a movie when a topic will come up that will apply to a question, and the kids will either look at me and smile or I'll look at them and they'll know what I'm talking about. The emphasis... Um, sorry, in this way, especially new Christians can be taught and the essentials of the faith, <clears throat> the essentials of the faith by learning how to answer specific questions. 
And there is an emphasis on memorization, yes. And there is a concern that the child merely commits to memory a series of meaningless words. But this is why parents should teach their children the meaning of these words, the joy behind them, understanding them personally, and applying them practically should always be our goal. So applying truth to memory, this gives us the building blocks for our children to grow. See, by nurturing their faith and equipping them with answers to their questions, we empower our children to confidently navigate the world and share the love of Christ with others. Be patient, loving, and supportive. And and trust that the seeds that you plant today will blossom into a vibrant and enduring faith, a faith that guides their life. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you for the, the, the these, these fruit of the womb. Father, as your word has said, like the arrows of a warrior, Father, we, we can trust that these arrows that you have given to us, Father, can will go out and will be the answer. They will go out and they will be the answer to what the world seeks, that they can share the good news of your son. Father, help us to not be put ashamed when the enemy meets us at the gate. Help us to trust in your word, to trust in your promises. Keep us faithful. Keep us humble for what you have given us. Help us to not take these children for granted, Father. All of those within our life, help us to understand our responsibility towards them. Lead us, guide us, and direct us to this night. In your name I pray. Amen. Amen.